Welcome to another episode of the Wrestling Highlights of the Week, presented by G2. My name is G2, and I'm going to be giving you the results from Raw, SmackDown, AEW, NXT, and Impact Wrestling. Also, almost at the end of this broadcasting, I will be giving you my takes on the recent uh, releases that WWE has decided to pull, and what everybody on the internet has been thinking of WWE in their releasing of certain select well, wrestlers and personnel within the company. But without further ado, let me get on with the show. Now, starting off with Monday Night Raw, the Raw results were Nikki Cross. She outlasted Charlotte in a two-minute challenge match, which meaning Nikki Cross had to last two minutes in the ring with Charlotte Flair, and she was able to do that. Now, Nikki Cross has outlasted both Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. She might be in line for a WWE Women's title match, the way WWE's... uh algorithm and the way their theories and methods work so she might be in contendership for WWE Women's Championship match we will only have to find out next week on Monday Night Raw as the story continues Randy Orton beat Xavier Woods by pinfall and he also used his tag partners finish the bro Derek last week Xavier Woods went against Matt Riddle and Riddle hit the RKO to beat Xavier Woods this week Randy Orton returned to favor by hitting Xavier Woods with the bro Derek Matt Riddle's finish. Riddle got into a ri- the ring and he was so excited after the match. And he thought that him and Randy are itching more and more closer to be a formidable tag team. And that's what WWE is planning on happening. At least that's the story that they're trying to tell. Reginald beat Shayna Baszler by pinfall. It was a so-so like situation match. Uh, the whole internet got upset about Reginald beating Shayna Baszler because Shayna... And NXT was this unstoppable force. She choked people out ruthless. And on the main roster, she has become a shell of her uh, former personnel in NXT. Which usually happens in NXT when people from NXT come to WWE, uh, the main roster. They usually become a shell of themselves. Unless you're a Kevin Owens or now a Sami Zayn. But Sami Zayn had to take some years. But anyway, continuing on. Mason T-Bar beat the Lucha House Party by pinfall. And I meant to say Lucha House Party by pinfall. Um, this was a throwaway match. If anything, they're just trying to give Mason T-Bar some wins to help them get on the um, on the power rankings to be a formidable tag team against AJ Styles and almost for the Raw Tag Team title titles. That's what this match was for. After this, Ricochet beat Sheamus by pinfall. Thanks to Humberto distracting Sheamus, leading to Ricochet rolling up Sheamus for the 1-2-3. And after this match, Sheamus had a direct match with uh, Humberto after this. And Ricochet returned a favor for Humberto and distracted Sheamus while Humberto was able to roll up Sheamus and get the 1-2-3. WWE's algorithm in theory, somewhere down the line, we're going to get Sheamus defending that United States title in a triple threat match against both Humberto and Ricochet. And before I leave this broadcast, broadcast, I do want to talk about uh, people's with their triple threats. I really do. But anyway, continuing on. Dana, Brooke, and Mandy Rose beat Naomi and Lana by pinfall. This was just another throwaway match for Raw. Cedric Alexander beat Shelton Benjamin by pinfall. This was a quick match. It didn't even last five minutes. If anything, it lasted about a good three minutes. This was just a quick all right, throw these two guys out there and just, uh, that's it. AJ Styles and almost beat Elias and Riker by pinfall to regain their Raw tag team titles. And the ending sequence was Elias was on the 
term, not term, but was on the, uh, his tag corner and he was waiting to get tagged in. Riker was about to tag him in and Elias dropped off of his corner and started walking up the ramp. You can hear Riker yelling for Elias and asking him, what are you doing? What are you doing? And AJ Styles and almost were able to take advantage of this and were able to beat Jason Riker. The reporter asked Elias backstage, why did he leave Jason Riker in the ring by himself? Elias said it's simple. WWE is about to go back touring, about to go back doing live events. He doesn't want to have Jason Riker around him anytime during this. So if anything, they're setting up an Elias versus Jason Riker in front of uh, people, or if anything, they're going to end this rivalry quick before they do start touring in front of people. If anything, I hope they end this uh, little pesky little feud before touring hits and live audiences see this because uh, at this moment, the way everything is going, Riker shouldn't be on the WWE roster. I mean, if he's changed his uh, outlook on his personal views, then he could be, but with the way that the internet keeps a stranglehold on if you said something or tweeted something out in the past, and just look back at what uh, WrestleMania this year, when they had a live audience, every time Hogan was on the screen or Hogan was in front of the audience, people were able to record it that were in the audience. They booed Hogan, and I mean constantly just booed him relentlessly, while every time Titus O'Neil talked, he got cheered. And Hogan is the bigger star out of him and Titus O'Neil, but nevertheless, Hogan said some foul things in his past, and the audience hasn't forgotten, leading to Jason Riker. He tweeted out certain tweets last year, and it left a foul taste in uh, fans' mouth, and WWE had to do some uh, inner workings and had to remove him and his little group that he was in off television for a minute. So if they start touring back, I can see the fans really booing Jason Riker and cheering up Elias, and I don't think that's what WWE wants. So anyway, I hope they end this feud quickly inside the Thunderdome before it hits uh, the live audience. And in the main event, you had Drew McIntyre beat Kofi Kingston by pinfall. This one was a long main event. It was a good main event. That, If anything, that was that, and the Xavier Woods and Randy Orton match was the only thing worthwhile on this Raw uh, show. Everything else was eh, throw away in the can, or you could just easily fast forward. Um, now, Drew McIntyre is going to be going against Bobby Lashley at Hell in a Cell for the WWE Championship. We will be seeing this match now for the third time through this third time this year for the WWE Championship, but this time it'll only be with him and Drew. It'll be this time Drew and Bobby. This is their second time meeting up one-on-one for the WWE Championship one-on-one, but as a whole collective, just those two participants for the WWE title has been the third time consecutively. Uh, this one is going to be... I hope they pull some stuff out that we haven't seen from them. And let's get a definitive winner and hopefully leave this feud directly in the dust as we uh, get to live audience being inside the WWE. That's what I'm hoping. Now down to NXT. Adam Cole destroyed Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, and Jordan Gargano uh, making that triple threat into a no contest. It was supposed to be a triple threat match for the NXT uh, number one contendership for the NXT title between Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano, and Kyle O'Reilly. Adam Cole came out of left field and started destroying all three of the men, which led to security coming out and Adam Cole trying to leave 
uh, the ring and go backstage. He wouldn't do it. And William Regal comes out and he starts yelling at Adam to get out of the way, get out, go to the back. And he starts looking at Regal. Okay, Regal, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And as he's walking up the ramp and everything else, you see Pete Dunn, Johnny Gargano, and Kyle O'Reilly laid out and the match was basically called a no contest. When you come back from commercial break, all the competitors out of the ring and gone. Regal is still on the ramp with security. And then you see Ember Moon walk past William Regal. She gets in the ring and she calls out Raquel Gonzalez. She calls out Raquel because last week she, Raquel, beat down uh, Ember Moon's best friend, Chauncey Blackheart. And Ember Moon's looking out for, for revenge. Raquel comes out and Ember and her get into a fight now. And Ember gets the one-ups on Raquel Gonzalez, and then security separates them. Raquel gets pushed to the back by security, and now Ember Moon is in the ring by herself, and from behind, Dakota Kai blasts Ember Moon behind the head and starts beating down on Ember Moon. This was a plan set up between Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai to basically, okay, I'll go frontwards while you go in the back, and it was executed perfectly. Dakota uh, Dakota Kai left Ember Moon laid out in the ring and she left out of the ring and you see Dakota huddling up with Raquel and they're just talking uh, crap towards Ember Moon as Ember's laid in, out in the ring. Uh, the next thing that happens was Jake Atlas. He ends up beating L.A. Knight by pinfall. L.A. Knight was trying to impress Ted DiBiase throughout this whole match. And it ends up costing him whenever Cameron Grimes comes out there to talk with uh, Ted DiBiase. And Ellie Knight just keeps on focusing on Ted and Cameron. And he loses focus off of Jake Atlas, needing Jake Atlas to take the advantage of the match and hitting his uh, beautiful, I don't know, beautiful cartwheel style DDT off the top rope. You got to YouTube it. It's a beautiful looking move. Um, and he ends up beating L.A. Knight with that move and getting the pin for one, two, three. Um, the next thing after this was you go from out, out, it goes from commercial and then it goes to from back for commercial. Adam Cole's in the ring. Adam Cole is calling out Regal to tell Regal that he is the main attraction in NXT. He is the guy and he wants back the NXT title. Out comes Karrion Cross with his uh, valet, Scarlet, and Karrion Cross tells Adam, listen, you've been out for a good couple of months, but here's the deal. You are a little man. I am the big fish in NXT. I'm the guy who has the NXT title. You are nothing to me at all. Then Adam Cole starts throwing out personal jabs towards Karrion Cross, basically what the internet has been saying about Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross is being made special by WWE with his entrance, the lighting, the girl by his side. That's what's making him special. He's not really that special in the ring. While on the other end, Adam Cole says, you know what makes me special? Ringing the freaking bell. Basically letting Karrion Cross know, you're not as good as me in the ring. Nobody's as good as me in the ring. Nobody has to make me special. Adam Cole is special. That's what he laid out to Karrion Cross in Karrion's face. William Regal comes out from the back and he tells Adam Cole that, listen, I know exactly what you're doing. It's not going to work. Karrion Cross cuts off Regal and he tells him, 
I don't care what you think or Adam thinks. I only care about what I think, and I want everybody. So at NXT TakeOver, is going to be a fatal five-way for the NXT title. It's going to be Karrion Cross, Adam Cole, Jordan Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, and Pete Dunne for an NXT championship. And as the segment is ending, Adam Cole leaves out of the ring. He destroys the announce table, gets on top of the announce table, and lets it be known this is his world, and you guys are just living in it. And he grabs a water bottle and he throws it at Karrion Cross and Scarlet in the ring. Karrion Cross wants to rip Adam Cole's head off at this moment. And he goes, he gets close to that ring ropes. And Scarlet has to pull Karrion away from the ropes. And he's, you can hear Karrion tell the security and everybody else, don't you let him leave here. I'm going to slap him across the face when I see him. Don't you let him leave this arena here. So, at In Your House, I can't wait for the dynamic of Karrion and Adam to mix it up in the ring with this. And at NXT TakeOver In Your House, including in that match, you also have Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole and their chemistry with that. There's a whole lot of elements that's in that match that I can't wait to see. But anyway, going on. Uh, next, you had Kushida beating a debuting Carmelo Hayes. And for the NXT Cruiserweight title by submission, it was a standard uh, match. It tried to show up what Carmelo can do. He was a good uh, look for the guy, but Kushida ends up winning. And after the match, Kushida shook Carmelo's hand and let people know, okay, this is the guy we should be watching out for. And that's about it. The next thing after this was uh, Candice LeRae and Andy Hartwell beat Zoe Starks and Zeta Ramirez by pinfall. This was a simple... Uh, Tag match just to showcase uh, the NXT women's tag team division. Uh, there's no more to say about that. And in the main event, you had MSK defeating Legado del Fantasma by pinfall. Santos Escobar was at ringside watching his men going against in the MSK. And Santos interfered at one point, but then out of the left field, you see Bronson Reed uh, smash. Santos next to the barricade, which led to MSK getting the win over Legado del Fantasma because Legado uh, was distracted by that, and MSK was able to take advantage and hit their tag finish on uh, Joaquin Wild and get the 1-2-3. And that was the ending of the NXT. The, so your last final uh, picture that you saw was... MSK and Bronson Reed all holding up their own respective championships. Bronson holding up the NXT North American title, while MSK was holding up the NXT Tag Team Championships. Now for AEW. AEW came on on Friday night at 10 o'clock, and they're going to be doing that next week as well. I say this say this because, uh, because of the uh, NBA playoffs. That's the reason why they're not... Uh, doing their regular show on a Wednesday night. So a Friday night at 10 o'clock, I don't believe the NBA playoffs are happening on a Friday night. I don't really keep up with NBA like that until it's like the finals and then I see who the last two uh, teams are in the finals. NBA I really don't care about. But anyway, you guys don't care about that. Getting back to AEW. The first match, Young Bucks beat Pac and Penta by pinfall. It was a standard tag match, great tag match. If anything, that was like one of the highlights of AEW. It was a highlight of the AEW for uh, in-ring competition, I can tell you that. 
Um, the next thing after this was uh, Mark Henry had an in-ring promo. He basically let the people know that he's at AEW not to fix it. He's helped to uh, make it better. He's helped to keep it on this path, keep it on the right track. He's just here to entertain uh, the fans and enjoy himself. And Vicky Guerrero came out of the stage and told Tony Schiavone and Mark Henry to leave the ring. And she wanted to introduce a man to the W, not the WWE, uh, the AEW audience. And this man was a man that won championship gold all across the world. And she introduced this man, Andrade El Idolo. And it's the formerly known as Andrade from WWE. He was just released on March and now he's in AEW. He's with CMLL, also a Mexican promotion, the longest reigning uh, wrestling promotion promotion in Mexico. But he's also now under contract with AEW, I believe. But anyway, he's now with AEW. And he let it be known that he is here to be the face of AEW. More or less, we'll probably see him compete in certain matches and hopefully climb up the ranks to win AEW gold. Anyway, that was like the big, big highlight of the night that Andrade's with AEW. Next match, QT Marshall and or Anthony Gogo beat Cody Rose and Shoddy Lee Johnson by pinfall. It was a standard uh, one uh, standard tag match. No more or less I can say about it. I didn't hate the match. The match was solid. Inner Circle had an in-ring promo, and their main point was letting the pinnacle know that this isn't over. Jake Hager challenged Warlow to an MMA fight, letting Warlow know, yeah, you beat me in a wrestling match, but now you're going to come into my domain, a place of area that I haven't lost a match yet. So he challenged Warlow to an MMA fight. Uh, Santana and Ortiz challenged FTR to a fight down the line, and Chris Jericho challenged MDF to a fight down the line. So... Inner Circle versus the Pinnacle isn't over yet. I thought it would be. I thought they would at least give this some breathing room and you'll see Pinnacle versus Inner Circle like whenever the rankings would happen and to determine who's going to be the next challengers for certain championships and things that were across that nature. I wouldn't think that we were going to get Pinnacle versus Inner Circle just a constant situation. I thought they were going to take a break on it, but no, they're not. They're going to continue on with this. Let's see how long they can drag this thing out with AEW, with the Pinnacle and Inner Circle. Uh, We'll see. Uh, The next thing after that was Jungle Boy and Christian Cage beating Private Party by submission. Uh, Jungle Boy put uh, Mark Quinn in a modified STF and made Mark Quinn tap out. After the match, Matt Hardy hit Christian Cage with a twist of fate on the ramp. It was a standard tag match. It was good. There's no more or less I can say. Uh, after this, you had Darby Allen and Sting had an in-ring promo. Sting was thanking the fans for a special night at Double or Nothing. He was thanking Darby Allen for being his tag partner. He was just putting over everything about Double or Nothing and saying that that was one of the greatest nights of his life. And then uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page were on like the main Titan Tron and Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page were giving love to Sting saying you still got it you carried Darby Allen through that match you carried him and Ethan Page was letting him know that without Sting Darby Allen 
can't do anything in AEW. Sting has been there to hold his hand throughout his AEW career, and they made a challenge to Darby Allen. Let's run this back. Me and Ethan Page. So Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page going against Darby Allen and a partner of Darby's choosing, except it cannot be Sting. So it will be Darby and a mystery partner going against Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky to see if Darby can is the man that he say he is without Sting. That's what Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page's challenge to Darby. Darby didn't answer because it was time for Britt Baker's championship celebration. Britt Baker came out and she was saying to the fans that you guys weren't in the gym with me. I done this by myself uh, and I'm just the best. Now it's time for the fa- time for uh, AEW to welcome in a new face for the AEW women's division. Nyla Rose was the party pooper. She threw all the little decorations out of the ring, a.k.a. decorations, meaning she had hamburgers in the ring and Nyla Rose threw the hamburgers out of the ring into the crowd just everywhere and she started popping the balloons that were around the turn uh buckle next to the entrance ramp and she's just start popping those uh balloons so we're setting up for Nyla Rose versus Britt Baker somewhere down the line after this we had Red Velvet she ends up beating the bunny by pinfall yet again another standard AEW women's uh Match, nothing I complain about. And in the main event, you had Dustin Rose beating Nick Camarado by pinfall in a bull rope match. Uh, it was one of their weak main events. It's nothing against Dustin, but he should have had a better uh partner in there to fight against. He should have fought against a QT in a bull rope. If anything, they should have transferred it. It should have been Nick Camarado and Anthony Gogo going against Cody and Shoddy Lee while Dustin went against QT in a bull rope match. I would have better have seen that instead of Nick Camarado, who's clearly, you can see, not at the standard that he should be to be in the main event of an AEW. But I get it. This AEW uh, show wasn't for uh, prime, prime time. I mean, it was at prime time, the actual time at 10 o'clock. But this was like one of their throwaway episodes. AEW is not always going to be a complete hitter out the field, like a home run episode. They're going to have some first base to second base. This one, I'll just say this episode was a first base hit. It had some high points, but at best, it was a first base hit episode of AEW. Next, Impact Wrestling. Josh Alexander beat TJP in an Ironman match. The score was 2-1 to one to retain the X Division title. Jake something put Rohit Raju through a table in a tables match. He speared him through a table that was posted up on one of the corners in the ring. W. Morsley, a.k.a. Big Cass, attacked Rich Swan before their match could start because both W. Morsley and Rich Swan wanted a match against one another and they went to uh, Scott Demore uh, each separately to ask for the match and Don... Not Don, but uh, Scott Demore gave them the match and said, yeah, you can have the match. But W. Morsley attacked Rich Swan before the match, and he just started putting the boots to him constantly inside the ring and everything else until Willie Mack came out there with a chair and hit uh, W. Morsley in the back, and security was inside the ring to separate Mack and Swan 
from Morsley, and Morsley left out of the ring and just so calm. So we can see somewhere down the line, W. Morsley is going to have a partner going against both Swan and Mac. Maybe it might be Enzo. People have been thinking it's going to be Enzo, formerly known as Enzo Amore, big loudmouth in WWE. But who's to say it might be somebody else? Somebody that we didn't expect. Maybe. We'll just have to see about that. And the next match that happened was Kiera Hogan and Tasha Steeles beat Jordan Grace and Rachel Ellering by pinfall to retain the Knockouts Tag Team titles. It was a good tag team match uh, for the for the Knockouts. It was a good tag team match in general for Impact. The next match after this was Kojima beating Diener by pinfall. This was just a showcase D, uh, Kojima in Impact. Let people know who Kojima is and what he can do. And uh, that was it. And in the main event, Sammy Callahan beat Moose by DQ. The Good Brothers attacked Sammy Callahan first and then Moose, which basically means that if you attack somebody first in the match, you give that uh, win to them because they were attacked first. So Sammy Callahan got attacked by the Good Brothers first. So Sammy Callahan got the win over Moose because of this by DQ. After this, Scott Demore had a chat with Don Callis and told Don, thanks to the Good Brothers, Sammy Callahan has beaten the number one contender, Moose. So now we will have, so now we might get Sammy Callahan added into the match with Moose and Kenny Omega for the Impact title. Don Callis threw a monkey wrench and told him, listen, you know Tony Khan doesn't like Sammy Callahan. You know Tony Khan has Sammy Callahan on his blacklist for that title. Scott had to let Don Callis know that, okay, cool. Yeah, I know all this, but here's the deal. I already called Tony Khan up, and next week he'll be on Impact to let his decision be known about whether Sammy Callahan can face Kenny Omega for the Impact title. So next week on Impact Wrestling, you will have... AEW chairman Tony Khan on Impact Wrestling to give out his decision on whether Kenny Omega can face Sammy Callahan. Well, if Sammy Callahan is going to be added into the match between Kenny Omega and Moose for the Impact Championship. And the reason why Tony Khan's uh, decision matters is because, remember this, Kenny Omega is an AEW wrestler who holds the AEW world title and the Impact title. AEW is the majority uh, control of this partnership. And their wrestler is holding the Impact title. So technically, they have some control over who gets a shot at the Impact title because their wrestler holds their belt. So just to give you guys a further heads up on why Tony Khan's uh, vote matters. Now down to SmackDown. The beginning of SmackDown was the Mysterios of Dominic and Rey Mysterio beating the Usos by pinfall to retain their SmackDown uh, tag team titles, but by controversy because Jimmy Uso's arm was off the mat when Dominic pinned uh, Jimmy, and the referee didn't see Jimmy's arm off the mat whenever he counted the three. So now you had Jimmy and Jay go up to Roman and tell Roman, listen, you saw the match. We know you saw the match. You saw that my arm was up. Roman didn't care. He was pissed that they lost the match to a father and a kid. And he even said, you let a kid, you let a kid pin you. But you know what? You know what your saving grace is? There's still time left in this, uh, in this. 
you still have time to make this right. So I don't care what you do. Find Adam Pierce, find Sonya Deville, find whoever you got to do to make this right before tonight's over with. You understand? And you see the Usos walking out to find Adam Pierce to make this right. The next thing that happened was Seth Rollins. He had a backstage interview. And the main point was this is that Seth Rollins talked about nothing. He said nothing. The interviewer, the interviewer Kayla Braxton, asked Seth about, do you feel any uh, type of remorse for beating up on Cesaro? Seth told him, no, I don't feel remorse because this was Seth. This was Cesaro and the fans fault for Cesaro getting hurt like this. They made me do this. And the uh, and Kayla asked Seth, okay, well, how are you going to feel whenever Cesaro comes back from this? And Seth took the mic off and put the mic on Kayla Braxton and just sat in the chair, just smiling. And that was in that was the it for that. Next thing that happened was Street Profits were approached by Chad Gable. Chad Gable was trying to make the Street Profits better at their tag team wrestling, trying to make them just better wrestlers in general. Street Profits isn't trying to have that. They told Chad Gable, nah, we're good. And they start laughing as they're walking away saying, he can make a better man, please. Later throughout the night, you saw Otis attack the Street Profits and lay them out backstage. And then later out the night, you saw the Street Profits basically announce that they are going to fight Chad Gable and Otis somewhere down the line. They don't care, but they're going to give them the smoke. The next thing that happened was Carmella beat Liv Morgan by submission. She put Liv Morgan in the code of silence and made Liv Morgan tap out. After this match, you have Bianca Belair challenge Bailey to a match at Hell in a Cell, and Bailey accepted. So hopefully, this will be the last match that we see of these two. Because I want Bianca to venture herself off to another female wrestler in the company so she can elevate her legacy, her beginning legacy that she that she's in right now. Because Bianca is a top-tier athlete. She is a top-tier wrestler. Yes, she still has some ways to go in the wrestling department. But she has the look. She has the ability to talk on the microphone. And she also has the athletics to back up her style in the ring. And she's different with her ponytail and the braid being long. She adds a different element to professional wrestling that technically hasn't been tapped into. So I want to see her do something else than constantly go against Bailey and Bailey. Give her somebody else. Give her somebody to else to work with. Uh, anyway, after this, you had Baron Corbin beat Nakamura by pinfall, but Nakamura was able to keep the crown. They are feuding over Baron Corbin's crown. Nakamura isn't trying to give that crown up, and Baron Corbin is constantly trying to find ways to regain back his crown, but in the end, it always leads down to Nakamura having the crown on his head, and we'll just have to wait till next week on Friday to see what happens with that. Apollo Crews beats Kevin Owens in one-on-one competition by pinfall to retain his Intercontinental title. But Captain, not Captain, but uh, Commander Aziz attacked Kevin Owens before the match backstage, which led to Apollo getting the upper hand on Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens wasn't at 100%, even though Kevin Owens was able to give 100% in the match, and him and Apollo were able to have a good match, but Apollo was able to hit a 
aproned um, Death Valley driver on the apron and roll Kevin Owens in the ring to get the one, two, three. After the match, Kevin Owens was in the ring and Sami Zayn rushed down to the ring and hit Kevin Owens with a halluva kick and just straight up screams at Kevin Owens in the ring and tells him, you see how it feels to be hurt and if somebody beats down on you more after the fact? This is what happens. This is what's called karma. This is what you get. And he just constantly yells at Kevin. So you can tell that Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens feud isn't done yet. They still got more storytelling to go on later down the line. Uh, and in your main event, the Mysterios beat yet again the Usos to retain their SmackDown Tag Team titles. But this time, because of Roman Reigns, he comes out from nowhere and hits Dominic on the turnbuckle with a Superman punch. And he just starts beating down on both Dominic and Ray. And he turns and looks at Jimmy and he tells him, I told you that you had to fix this. You said you were going to win and you didn't. Now I'm here to clean your mess up. He just beats down on Dominic and Ray and just beats on them relentlessly. He throws Ray on the opposite side of the barricade. He rolls Dominic back into the ring. And just starts pounding on him, hitting him with forearms after forearms after forearms. And then he ends up putting Dominic in a guillotine choke. And both Jimmy and Jay are looking at Roman do this. Jimmy has enough courage to say to Roman, okay, that's enough. That's enough. He's out. He's out, Oost. That's enough. And he just constantly tells Roman, that's enough. He's out. Dominic's out. Let him go. Roman hears it, and then he let goes of Dominic. And Jimmy looks at Roman and tells him, listen, this isn't the way, man. I'm not with this. This isn't how this is supposed to go. This isn't us. This isn't the way. And he starts walking out of the ring, and he starts walking up the ramp. He looks at Jay and says, come on, oops. Let's go, man. Come on. We don't need this. Come on. And... You see Jay start to walk that way as Jimmy's already on the ramp. And Roman cuts him off before he even started getting out of the ring. He cuts him off right in front of him. And he just stares at Jay. And Jay's frozen there like a child being uh, stared down by a parent. And Roman is just staring down Jay, looking at him. Like, how dare you think you're going to just walk out of here? And he looks at Jay, and then he looks at Jimmy on the apron. Not apron, but on the uh, entrance ramp. And then he looks back at Jay, and then he looks back at Jimmy, and then he knows what he has to do. He has to go back and make a statement by beating up on Dominic some more. So he goes back to Dominic and starts throwing more elbows at Dominic's head and constantly throw elbows and throw elbows and forearms and forearms. And he hits... Uh, Dominic with a power bomb in the ring, and that's where uh, it cuts off on SmackDown. So the lasting image was Roman just beating down on Dominic as Dominic was helpless, and you had Jay in the ring being frozen in time while Jimmy's on the entrance ramp just watching all this occur. So next week, we'll more than likely see this whole story more unfolds. And I want to give you the my predictions for what's going to happen at Impact Wrestling's um, 
against the odds next Saturday on June the 12th. And the matches are as follows. Kenny Omega going against Moose. Kojima going against Joe Doring. Deanna Peraza going against Rosemary. Violence by Design going against Decay. W. Morsley going against Rich Swan And a fatal five-way match to determine who's the number one contender for the X Division title is Trey Miguel going against Ace Austin and Chris Bay, Rahit Raju, and Petey Williams. And you also have Tasha Steeles and Kiera Hogan putting up their knockouts tag team titles against Kimberly and Susan. My winners of these matches are Omega beating Moose to retain his Impact Championship. Kojima beating Joe Doring. Deanna Perrazzo beats Rosemary to retain her knockout title. I have Violence by Design defeating Decay to retain their Impact Tag titles. I have W. Morsley beating Rich Swan. I have Trey Miguel beating Ace Austin, Chris Bay, Rohit Raju, and Petey Williams to become the next number one contender for the X Division title. And I have Tasha Steeles and Kiara Hogan beating Kim- Kimberly and Susan to retain their knockouts tag team titles. And here's my predictions for next Sunday's in your house pay-per-view, June 13th for an NXT. And those matches are as follows. Ra- uh, Raquel Gonzalez going against Ember Moon. Zia Lee going against Mercedes Martinez. Cameron Grime going against LA Knight. And Cameron, uh, and uh, Karrion Cross going against Pete Dunne, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Adam Cole, and Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship. And possibly, if they do announce this, Bronson Reed going against Santos Escobar for the NXT North American title. I throw that match in just in case because NXT TakeOvers usually have the minimum five matches on their card. And the story that's being built up right now is... Santos and Bronson Reed for the NXT North American title. I can see them throwing that in. So I'm just going to throw that match in just in case. Anyway, here's my predictions for the In Your House pay-per-view. Raquel Gonzalez beating Ember Moon to retain her NXT Women's Championship. Zia Lee beating Mercedes Martinez. Cameron Grimes beating LA Knight. And Karrion Cross beating Pete Dunne, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano to retain his NXT championship, and Bronson Reed beating Santos Escobar for the NXT North American title. Now, those have been my predictions, and those have been the results from the week. Now I want to get into the biggest, uh, shocking, biggest news coverage that got uh, happened in professional wrestling. WWE has released six wrestlers this week, adding on to more of the releases that they have done. And I'm sorry that I did not mention that they have released uh, Aiden Verk. He was the lead uh, lead announcer on Monday Night Raw. As you can see, if you watch Raw this week, they had a new lead announcer with uh, Corey Graves and Byron Saxton. This guy's name is Jimmy Smith. He has done commentator work for Bellator, and he's a... MMA analyst, but also he has a love for professional wrestling. So WWE was able to grab him to replace uh, Aiden and Verk's uh, spot since he got released last week. And WWE has released Tom Phillips last week. Tom Phillips has been with the company for nine years. 
He was on Raw uh, broadcast at a time. Then he was on uh, 205 Live's broadcast at a time. Then he was on NXT's commentary at a time. He's been able to put his hands in almost every commentating scenario that really matters. But he got released from WWE this week. Well, last week. And also, WWE has released other, like, backstage personnel, like people that worked on the media team. Anytime you see a social media uh, tweet or any type of video or photography or something like that, people have been released just constantly by WWE. I forgot to mention that last week. So I'm sorry, so I'm making up for that. But this week, WWE has released six wrestlers, and these are the six wrestlers' names. Santana Garrett, Murphy, Ruby Riot, Lana, Alistair Black, and Braun Strowman. Yes, you heard me right. Braun Strowman, big man, monster among men. Braun Strowman has been released by WWE. Now, let me give you my biggest shock out of this whole list. Uh, my biggest shock was Alistair Black. If you recall, two weeks ago, Aleister Black was just made his re-debut back on the WWE main roster, like, on person inside the ring by like, interrupting that Intercontinental title match between Big E, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, and Apollo Crews by hitting Big E with a black mask kick. And that was, apparently now, that's the last time you'll ever see uh, Aleister Black right now in WWE unless they want to sign him back for less money or whatever the case may be he gets signed back that was the biggest shock for me because he was just on television they were building him up for a good solid month in a week and you put him on television for that one little spot and then after that two weeks later okay you've been released Sidebar, Aleister Black didn't know he got released until we all found out. He didn't get a call up or anything else. He was basically shocked, just like the rest of us, that he got released. So that should tell you how WWE's releasing practices are. The wrestlers won't know until they get a phone call or a text, or sometimes they'll find out just like the rest of us on the internet. They'll find out like the rest of us. It'll be posted out on the internet, and boom, there you go. And that's what happened with Aleister Black. He was tweeting out to fans that, hey, he's shocked just like the rest of uh, everybody else. And he he can't wait to see what happens later down the line with his career. He knows this is not the last that you'll see of him. And he's now going back to his pre-name before WWE, WWE. And his name is now Tommy End. That was his independent name before he got signed to WWE. So now he's back to being known as Tommy End. My my second biggest uh, shocker was, of course, Braun Strowman, Monster Among Men. WWE WWE has put a lot of time into this guy. He came into WWE on the main roster in 2015. Yeah, 2015. He came into the main roster in 2015, late 2015. He was with the Bray. Wyatt and the Wyatt family. Sidebar again. Bray Wyatt is the only guy left with the WWE that was in the Wyatt family. Bray Wyatt, Eric Rowan, who's now been released last year. Luke Harper, God rest his soul. 
And now Braun Strowman, who's now been released this week. So Bray Wyatt is literally the last member of the Wyatt family in the WWE. Now getting back onto the Braun Strowman deal. 2015, he came in to the main roster. Green. Didn't know much. You just knew he was a big power guy. And that was all you needed to know. And that's all you needed from him. Just let him do some power moves. You put him in where you put him in and make it work. And then it didn't start clicking for Braun and the fans technically until he got paired up with Roman in early 2017. When him and Roman just started battling it out and duking it out in the ring, outside of the ring, backstage. Roman was able to make Braun Strowman a star, a legitimate star that we all could see, okay, Braun can terrorize and beat down any man because Roman was able to make Braun into this big monster. So WWE has given Braun this big monster push. You put him in matches with Brock Lesnar and never have Braun beat Brock for the title, which was stupid. And if you look back in time, I believe that would be like one of WWE's biggest failed situations ever. Braun Strowman is going to be in that list whenever they make biggest failures, like biggest creative failures of WWE. Braun's going to be in that because WWE had their monster. The fans were waiting and wanting Braun to win the championship off of Brock, specifically off of Brock Lesnar. If you remember back in that time, and if you don't look back on Peacock, or if you're international, look back on the WWE Network. And you could just see the matches of Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman were in and the fans were eating it up. And they couldn't wait for Brock to lose to Braun and WWE never pulling that trigger. So whenever Braun won it last year in the pandemic era in an empty arena in the performance center against Goldberg. Yeah, you'll say Braun Strowman held the universal title, but it was in front of nobody. Nobody was there. People were home watching it on television. So Braun, I can't really say that he had a memorable title reign because he didn't have a memorable title reign. They just gave him the belt because, well, Roman Reigns wasn't at that WrestleMania last year. He stayed home because he didn't want to get in contact with the virus. He didn't want anything to mess him up with his body uh, physically. And I respect that, and I respected it then, and I still respect it now. And if anything, I respect it more now because it allowed Roman to build up this great character that we're able to witness now. But getting back onto the Braun Strowman point, Braun Strowman was the filler for Roman since Roman couldn't be at WrestleMania last year against Goldberg in an empty arena. So Braun filled in, beat Goldberg, won his first major title, the actual world title, but yet again, as I said, it was in front of nobody. And if it's in front of nobody, does it really matter? Not really. People really don't care about that. I'm just saying. So Braun had that and it went up in smoke. So Braun, I would have thought whenever the fans would get back, Braun was going to be like, okay, Braun's going to be the big monster that everybody knows. Everybody's going to respect it. Everybody already understands the deal with Braun Strowman. Vince and everybody else is putting big money behind Braun, but just to see Braun get released, again, that was a big shock, but that was my second big shock to me. 
Alistair Black was my big big shock because I'm into the technical guys that work the ring, hit the strikes, has a good look, but he's able to actually do his job, which is professional wrestling. Braun Strowman, on the other hand, he's a big guy. It's nothing but the looks, the aesthetic, and big power moves. And he also is fast for a big man himself. But I was more shot by Aleister Black. But anyway, getting back to the people that got released. Uh, Lana, she was just on Raw, as you just heard me read on Raw results this week. So for her to get released after just being on Raw, yet again, nobody is safe. Ruby Riot. She was on SmackDown last week. Literally just on SmackDown last week. Nobody is safe. Murphy, he's been off television for a good solid month. So I could have saw it written in the cards for Murphy to get uh, released. So that's not a shocker like that to me. And Santana Garrett, she was a woman that got signed some time ago that didn't really get put on television like that. You'll see her on television here or there. Not even really here or there. Like a real thin amount of times, like real hair thin amount of time that you'll see her on television. She wasn't your uh, throwaway wrestlers that you just throw in there just to have a good match with. And I don't mean throwaway as a disrespect to all the wrestlers that do this. And I respect you all. You understand exactly what I'm talking about. And if you don't, let me break it down. Throwaway wrestlers are wrestlers that you put into a match to just have a match for no reason. They're either there to get beat, to prop somebody up, or you could have two throwaway wrestlers in a match just for no reason. So that's what I mean by throwaway wrestlers. I shouldn't mean, and I shouldn't say throwaway wrestlers. Let me make, let me clear it up. You have two wrestlers that creatively WWE doesn't have stuff for. So they just throw them out there. So these are throw out their wrestlers. We he's a wrestler that we can just throw out. There you go. Not throw away. You guys are throw out wrestlers. I hope they clear that out for anybody that listens to this. Any wrestler that happens to listen to this, I don't mean to disrespect you, and I respect what you guys do as a living. I really do. But anyway, let me just uh, say this now for the people that did get released: Braun Strowman. He's not going to be hurting for work. Not at all. Whenever his contract is, whenever his 90 days have been filled out and he can actually get signed again by another company, people are going to want to get him signed by this and that and this and that company. I can see Braun Strowman going to New Japan because New Japan doesn't have a big monster over there. I can see him going to AEW, but in my best uh, professional opinion, I would rather see him go to New Japan Wrestling, because New Japan doesn't have big monsters. He can get paid big money over there. And also, uh, New Japan has a working relationship with Impact. So he can go to Impact because he is friends with the Good Brothers. And why not? You can make money on both ends of the spectrum, on both ends of the world. That would be my best option if I was Braun. Aleister Black. Alistair is going to get every company wanting him because he has a great look. Everybody knows he's great work in the ring. He's a great ring general. He's able to do anything in that ring. So if I was a wrestler promoter, I would want him on my show. I would want him. Alistair is a complete total package. Same thing with Murphy. Murphy and Alistair Black are going to be like the two, well, 
eh, I'll say Alistair more than Murphy. Yes, Murphy's a good wrestler, but people are going to look at Alistair before they look at Murphy because Alistair has a complete different look than Murphy. Alistair is going to be not hurting for a job neither. He's going to have his pick of any company, whatever the 90 days are up, and people are going to want him. Same thing with Murphy. Murphy is a great wrestler. They compare his style to Kenny Omega's style, and people are going to want to see him in any ring. I see Murphy probably signing with a Ring of Honor or Impact Wrestling before he signs to an AEW because AEW already has a big cluster of talent that does extreme moves, flashy, high-flying moves. And uh, Murphy does this, and he's already being compared to Kenny Omega. So I will want to sidestep that and go to Impact Wrestling or a Ring of Honor to showcase what I can do. That would be my best betting dollar for a guy like Murphy. Alistair Black, again, if I had to put my money on what company he will sign with, I say he's going to sign with maybe even a New Japan. I see I see Alistair going to New Japan before he goes to an Impact. Impact doesn't got the type of uh, mobility that he might want. AEW, again, got too many guys right now on their roster. They got too many people on there. But they, they, they wouldn't slack to get him on their roster. Tony Khan will make a good enough offer to get Alistair, and they'll find a way to put him in somewhere. So I'm not going to hate on if AEW gets him. But if I had to put my money on it right now, i say Alistair, New Japan, and Murphy, uh, Impact Wrestling, or Ring of Honor. Lana, AEW. Without a shadow of a doubt, she goes to AEW to rejoin her husband, Miro. For those two to be a partner duo, because WWE breaking them up was the dumbest decision that they could have done. It was a good formula. If it, the formula works, why would you break and mess with the formula? And I believe WWE wanted to do that just because they could do it. There was nothing really beneficial that helped either Lana or Rusev by breaking those two up. There was nothing beneficial to it. So now with Lana being released... I can see Lana literally being on AEW with her husband and just reforming that package just under a different banner. And this time, they don't have to play as Lana being a, ru a Russian character. She could be herself and those two just be the couple that they are, this loving couple, Lana being the loving wife to uh, Miro and Miro just constantly being the dominating brute, but also being a fun-loving guy that he is in real life, so that's the way I would see AEW just grabbing up Lana. I can see that happening. Ruby Riot, she has her pick of the litter as well. The wrestling world loves uh, Ruby Riot, so she right now Ring of Honor is in the rebuilding stage of their Women of Honor division. So I can see her going there to help rebuild Ring of Honor around her. I can see her going to Impact Wrestling because Impact Wrestling right now has a good women's division. I can see her going to AEW to help out with their women's division right now. So Ruby Riot literally has their pick of the litter. I don't know which company Ruby's going to end up in. I don't know. That one I'm not judging on. I don't know which one. But if gun to my head, picking one, I would say she's going to Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is a new spot. Yet again, as I said, they're in a rebuilding phase to rebuild that 
uh, Women of Honor Championship, and there's multiple fa- new faces of women joining that roster. So Ruby Riot being the centerpiece of it, and having all of the wrestlers built up around her, I see it. Basically, I can see that happening without a doubt. Because also, I'll get into this after this last person, Santana Garrett. I don't know with her, so she'll probably go to Impact Wrestling. She has a previous career with Impact, so why not? There you go. I picked Santana Garrett for Impact. Anyway, every wrestling promotion is now starting to open up. Ring of Honor has their pay-per-view, best in the world that they're going to be doing, and they already have limited seatings, but as I checked, uh, it's already started to be sold out. So you have fans in Ring of Honor, looking at fans looking at Ring of Honor in person when they do their best in the world pay-per-view. Same anniversary for Impact Wrestling. They already have their uh, limited amount of fans for tickets uh, for fans, and fans have already snatched those up in the Nashville area. So Impact Wrestling starting to open up slowly. AEW, as you if you've been watching Double or Nothing last Sunday, and if you watched just yesterday on AEW Dynamite, they had fans in there, live fans. And WWE is coming out with a bang some in uh, July, somewhere in the middle of July, touring again in front of people. So every wrestling promotion is starting to open up and let the fans in to enjoy professional wrestling before. So we will see how everything turns out. And you'll see how the fans respond to wrestlers in certain areas and who get booed, who gets cheered and everything else. Now, before I do leave, I want to get to this uh, situation I was talking about before then. It seems to me that almost every wrestling company is now trying to do a triple threat something. They're starting to get too crazy with the triple threats. One company has a triple threat. Okay, we're going to have another company do a triple threat match. Okay, and then another company do a triple threat match. It seems like Every company is trying to outdo each other in a match type, and that's it. Right now, it's a triple threat phrase, triple threat craze. WrestleMania, you had uh, Edge, Roman, Daniel Bryan. The pay-per-view after that, WrestleMania Backlash, you had Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre. Double or nothing, you just had Kenny Omega, Orange Cassidy, and Pac. Against the odds, you might get Kenny Omega, uh, Moose, and Sammy Callahan. Maybe. All depends on what Tony Khan has to say. And now, the Fatal 5-Way. Against the odds, you're going to have the Fatal 5-Way for the X Division number one contender match. And now, at, at NXT TakeOver in your house, you're going to have the Fatal 5-Way for the NXT uh, Championship. I would like for wrestling to just stop trying to piggyback off of each other and say, okay, you did this. Okay, let me do a one-upsman game and see if we can do it better than what you did. Don't do that because if anything, if you don't do it better than what they did, guess what? Everybody's going to look back at that last one that you guys were just trying to redo and do better than and see that they did better than you and people will say, well, your one sucked. So they're going to automatically start thinking and putting more eyes onto that wrestling company. If you're if you're main goal is to get more eyes into your product and you happen to not deliver the better version of that certain match that you were trying to put your twist on 
people are going to say, why would I want to watch you when I got to watch that company execute that match better than what you did? That's all I'm saying. I want wrestling companies to just chill out on these certain match types. Just because you see one company do it doesn't mean that you have to jump on the bandwagon and be like, okay, next promotion, next uh, pay-per-view or some weeks down the line, okay, we're going to try that and put our own little fun little twist on it. You don't got to do that. You could have waited a couple months down the line and let people forget about that match and then you do your fun twist on the match. Not literally weeks go by and poof, you are got that match on your pay-per-view card or your uh, uh, television show. Don't do that. Do not do that. That's just my advice. That's just Gerald Garrett's advice, G2's advice on if I was a guy to make a professional wrestling card, but I'm not. If you happen to hear it, just take that advice with you and do with it what you uh, will. Anyway, getting to my social media links. Where you can find me at on Twitter is at my two podcasts on Instagram. It's my two cents podcast G2 for business inquiries is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. And remember it's not TWO is putting the actual number two when you put these uh, words together. And also from Twitter, it's my two podcasts, all one word Instagram, my two cents podcast G2, all one word. And obviously, if you're going to write me for my business, it's all one word as well. By the way, I am now, this podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, and Google Podcasts. Leave me a five-star review or leave me with some type of review to let me know if I'm doing good or what I could do better or how I can make this platform and this show better for you, the view, the listening audience. Uh, I'm here for the people. I'm here for myself as well. Let's not get it twisted, but I'm here for the people to give you guys the news about professional wrestling and also give you the news on stuff that I find interesting to me when you listen to me in my podcast on a Sunday uh, morning, whenever my Sunday episodes drop. And make sure you turn into uh, tomorrow's episode on Sunday, which will be entitled No. You'll understand that whenever you listen to it. I'll get into that whenever I get into it. But anyway, you have my social media links. You know where you can find me at. Uh, you know where you can find these. Uh, you know you can find my podcast at on other podcast streaming services. Yet again, those are Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Leave me a five-star review or some type of review. Tell your friends. Tell people. Tell your work associates as well about me. Shoot. Uh, word of mouth is always great. Social media can only do but so much, but word of mouth is the oldest fashion of spreading and spreading the news. But anyway, getting back, letting you guys get to what you guys got to do. I hope you listen to my uh, episode tomorrow entitled No Tomorrow Sunday. But if you don't, I will see you guys next Monday for wrestling news because next week we will have Against All Odds and take over in your house and I'm going to give you guys the results of those and also be giving you guys the results of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and Impact as usual. With that being said, I am your host G2. This has been the Wrestling Highlights of the Week. I bid you guys a farewell. Bye-bye. I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.